Section 54 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume 10. England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 54. The Invasion of the Norsemen. 1263. By Charles Mackay. Hakon, king of Norway, called his men of might. Sea captains in Vikinger, his veterans in fight. And set sail for Scotland's coast with a well-appareled host, full twenty thousand strong, when the summer days grew long, in the fairest fleet that ever the North Sea billows bore, to harry it, and pillage it, and hold it evermore. Mile on mile extended, o'er the ocean blue, sailed the ships of battle, white and fair to view, running races on the sea, with their streamers waving free, from their saucy bows all day, dashed up the scornful spray, and leaving far behind them in the darkness of the night, unborrowed from the firmament, long tracks of liquid light. Past the Isles of Shetland lay the monarch's path, round the Isles of Orkney and the Cape of Wrath, mid the islands of the west that obeyed his high behest, the Lewis and Ist and Skye, and the countless isles that lie between the wide Atlantic and Albion's mountains brown, and paid him homage duly and fealty to his crown. Music and rejoicing followed on their way, drinking and carousing nightly till the day. Every sailor in the fleet felt his heart with pleasure beat, every soldier in the ships had a smile upon his lips, as he drank and saw in fancy reeking sword and flaring brand, and the rapine and the violence, and the carnage of the land. Not amid the mountains of the rugged north would the mighty Hakon send his legions forth, not by highland block or glen would he land his eager men, not on banks of moorland stream were their thirsty swords to gleam, but further to the southward, from the rocks of bare Argyle, to the sloping hills of Renfrew, and the grassy meads of Kyle. In the vales of Carrick, smiling by the sea, in the woods of Lennox, in the Lothians three, there was fatness all the year, there were sheep and fallow deer, there was mead to fill the horn, there were kai and there was corn. There was food for hungry Norsemen with spoil to last them long, and lordly towers to revel in with music and with song. Like scarts upon the wing, by the hope of plunder led, passed the ships of Hakon with sails like pinions spread. But the tidings went before, to the inland from the shore, and from crag to mountain crag at the terror of his flag arose a cry of warning and a voice of loud alarm that called the startled multitudes to gather and to arm. Every mountain summit had its heel-fire bright, all Argyle ere sunset crowned its hills with light, and from Morven to Cantyre lid the chain of signal-fire, from Cantyre to Cowell's coast blazed a warning of the host, of savage north invaders that to spoil and harry came, with their lust and with their hunger, with the sword and with the flame. Glen called out to mountain, mount to moorland brown, village called a village, 
town gave voice to town, and the bells in every tower rang the tocsin hour by hour, till old Dunedin heard, and the Lothian three was stirred, and sent their yeomen westward to struggle hand to hand, for their wives and for their children, for their homes and native land. Wives had no endearment for a laggard lord, maidens had no love-looks and no kindly word, for the lover who was slow to march out against the foe, even maids themselves put on coats of mail and habergon, threw the snood off of the helmet, left the distaff for the sphere, to die for sake of Scotland, with a sire or lover dear. Young King Alexander marched his legions forth, from eastward to the westward, from southward to the north. High his flashing falchion gleamed, in his blue eye valor beamed, in his heart high courage glowed, as in pride of youth he rode, with the flower of Scotland's people to defend her sacred soil, and repel the Norse marauders that came down for blood and spoil. With him rode the Coman, grown in battle's gray, with a thousand bowmen ready for the fray, with a tongue to give command, and a rough untiring hand, with a cheek in battle scarred, and a soul to pity hard, when he drew his sword for battle, and flung away the sheath, it was death to him who struggled in the comb of Monteith. And the bishop of St. Andrews, a priest, but in his name, in his heart a soldier, with all his warriors came, and the stalwart Earl of Fife led his vassals to the strife, full a thousand fighting men, strong of hand and sharp of ken, and ready each to die at the bidding of his lord, but readier still for Scotland to draw the avenging sword. From the northern mountains and his locks afar marched the Earl of Cathedus, ready eye for war, with his pitchbrock sounding shrill to its clansmen of the hill, and the Earl of March, do-wed, left his happy bridal bed at the first war-cry of danger that broke upon his ears, and joined King Alexander with twice a thousand spears. Thirsting for the conquest, eager for the fray, Hawkins sailed by Arran at the dawn of day. But as up the firth of Clyde he came proudly with the tide, rose a storm upon the deep, and with wild and fitful sweep, howled aloft amid the rigging, while the sun looked pale and wan, through the clouds and driving vapors as the tempest hurried on. To the ship of Hacken came his staunchest men, Holder, Sweno, Ratho, Hingst, and Innisfen, Ermensul and Lok and Har, each a chieftain fierce in war, in the foray, hand to hand, on the sea or on the land, loving fighting more than counsel, blazing torch than morning shine, the foremost in the battle, and the hindmost at the wine. Short was Hacken's counsel, and the signal flew, from captain on to captain, from crew again to crew, that by logs, ere noon of day, they should land within the bay, and through all the ships there ran a rejoicing, man with man, that the hour had come at last when the sword should leave its sheath, and the cloth-yard shaft its quiver, for the revelry of death. Scotland's king was ready, Scotland's patriot men, marshalled round their monarch from mountain, strath, and glen, and from every height around seemed to issue from the ground, thirty thousand men that day met the Norsemen in the bay, and fought, but not for pillage, nor for glory in the strife, but for God and for their country, for their freedom and their life. Loud the shock resounded on the battlefield, clink of sword and buckler, clang of spear and shield, whir of arrows in the blast, on their errand flying fast, 
and a shouting loud and high, and a shrill, continuous cry, from either side arising, as impetuous legions met, and the green fresh sward was trodden deep, and dank, and gory wet. Loud the voice of Hacken sounded mid the fray, Alexander's louder cheer the Scots that day, and the kings pressed on to meet, through the arrows thick as sleet, through the living and the dead, holding high the dauntless head, to fight in single combat, and to struggle hand to hand, for the glory of the battle, and the mastery of the land. And the fierce Earl Coman sought the Norseman Har, the bishop single Ratho from the ranks of war, and the earls of March and Fife, in the sharp contested strife, fought with Imasul and Lok, thrust for thrust and stroke for stroke, and the Earl of Cathens drove the mighty Innisfin back again into the ocean with a hundred of his men. Har fell wounded by the Coman's blade, Ratho fell to seaward, faint and sore dismayed, while Lok, with mortal wound, fell exhausted on the ground, and Hinkst sat down to rest with a death-shaft in his breast. When a sudden panic seized the whole Norwegian foe, and they fled like flying dust when the Norland tempests blow. Down upon them, swooping in their sudden rout, came King Alexander with exulting shout, crying, Strike for Scotland's sake, and a bloody vengeance take, for the insult born too long, for the centuries of wrong, for the murder and the ravage they have done within our lands. Down upon them, Scottish hearts, strike and spare not Scottish hands. Fighting, flying, struggling, with his scattered host, Hacken saw despairing that the day was lost. Of his twenty thousand men, not a third were left him then, the fearful tale to tell of the slaughter that befell. And Hacken, iron-hearted, who had never wept before, with his hands his pale face covered, and sobbed upon the shore. Flying their pursuers, faint with pallid lips, Hacken and his captains staggered to their ships, and ere nightfall many a one, that had sailed when day begun, as if life were in her sides to defy the winds and tides, was driven before the tempest, her tall mast snapped in twain, a helpless wreck on Arran, ne'er to sail the seas again. Through the Kyles, storm-battered, Hacken led his way, by Cantyre and Esley on to Colonsay, and when dawned at the morning light, not a vessel was in sight, but his own ship scudding by on the gloomy shore of sky, dismantled mid the hurricane that still around him blew, with danger all around him and a spirit-broken crew. Thus he sailed Orkney, but by night nor day, to his men around him did one word betray all the anguish of his heart, though at times a sudden start and a short uneasy pace in the flushing of his face showed the grief and rage within him as he mourned with silent lips for his hope of conquest lost, for his sailors and his ships. In the bay of Kirkwell, sheltered from the gale, his sad crew dropped their anchor and furled the tattered sail, and the king was led on shore, weak and faint and spirit sore, seeing, heeding, knowing not, but his own despairing thought, a thought of bitter shame that he had not died that day, with his face towards the mountains in the thickest of the fray. To his couch they led him, once so bold and strong, and they watched beside him tenderly and long but all human care was vain to relieve him of his pain. So the mighty Hacken died in his sorrow and his pride, and they buried him in Orkney, and Norsemen nevermore set sail to harry Scotland, or plunder on her shore. End of section 54 
This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Todd.